Hello there, I'm Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team here at Lifeway. Today, I'm being joined by David Briscoe as we look at Session 12. David, good to have you with us today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Session 12, we look at the second chapter of Titus. It's our second week of study in this book of Titus. Uh, What Paul's going to do here is he's going to challenge Titus to speak the truth. He also gives Titus directions to be delivered to older men, older women, young women, young men, and slaves. The actions that are given to each group identified are practical ways of demonstrating godliness in their current life situation. Paul points to the gospel as motivation for living a godly life. That's the main point of this session, is that a godly life cannot be lived apart from the gospel. Paul concludes this section by directing Titus to act with authority, not allowing any believer to disregard his message. In the group plan, we're told and encouraged to create a chart uh, that, that as the columns you have listed across the top, older men, younger women, excuse me, older men, old, older women, younger women, young men, and slaves. You list those categories. And then as you work through this passage, you list the things, the actions that Paul directs Titus to tell them to do. And compare those things. You look for how they're similar, look for how, they, how they're different. Bottom line of what you're going to find is each one of them boils down to how do you represent the gospel in practical ways in our world today. David, I'm just going to jump right in with an issue that's going to be on the table, and that is that Paul identifies a group of people here as slaves. Uh, by doing so, is he condoning slavery, and does he open the door for ignoring abuse? Uh, no, uh, is the short answer to that. But but let, let me just say that slavery was the reality of first century life. We're talking about a time in world history when the Roman Empire was at its height. And there were many, many slaves uh, in this time. Most of those who had become slaves uh, became slaves because they were captives as a result of Rome's military conquest. And so we, we find out from history that slave traders would follow along behind uh, Roman troops. And when the troops conquered a people, a people group, a town, uh, a, an area, uh, the, uh, the army did not want to continue to have to uh, feed or keep or uh, take care of uh, those slaves. So slave traders stepped in and they uh, would either take or buy uh, the uh, captive people and would then carry them to the uh, slave auctions and would uh, sell them as slaves. So it, it was just a reality uh, that, um, that was a part of first century life. Uh, so, well, why, didn't, why so didn't Paul... So they may have been believers before they were capted, c- captured, or they may have become believers after. They could have, yeah, either, either, way. E- either one of those, okay. right. Uh, and so um, it, it, it is a question as to, well, what was Paul's attitude about it. And 
why did Paul not speak uh, more uh, vociferously uh, against slavery? It's it's interesting that in 1 Timothy uh, 1, 9 through 11, and this, of course, is where Timothy was in Ephesus, which would have been certainly a center of power for uh, the Roman Empire in that area. Uh, but in 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 11, Paul talks about, in that section, he's talking about uh, the law and the nature of the law, the meaning and the function of the law. And he says, we know the law is, is not meant for righteous person, but for the lawless and the rebellious, for the ungodly and the sinful, for the unholy and the irreverent. And then he lists several in that group. It's not an exhaustive list, but here's what he includes. He includes the murderers sexually immoral, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, perjurers. So among those people for whom um, Paul recognized that God's law spoke against and condemned were these slave traders who uh, made their living by buying and selling uh, human beings. It was just a reality of the time, and so Paul certainly recognizes uh, that uh, slavery was wrong, but uh, it was a reality of the life of that time. Do do these words in Titus, do they open a door for ignoring abuse for us as believers? Well, I don't think so. In fact, uh, Paul, in several places, when he uh, talks about slavery and talks about slaves, Uh, Sometimes he is addressing uh, those who are slaves themselves, but at other times he's also including those who might be slave owners. And he's talking about the relationship and the responsibilities uh, of both of those. It's a fact that many slaves uh, in Paul's day were drawn to the gospel message. It's a message of redemption. It's a message of liberation from sin in Christ. And so there were slaves who became converts and were part of uh, some of the early churches. Uh, but, but Paul's uh, teaching is clear that salvation uh, does not necessarily mean that there is this immediate liberation from, uh, from a human uh, setting or a human situation of slavery. Uh, so he was writing here in Titus, to help those who were in that situation in life. They were slaves. That was just the fact of their lives. But, was, but they had become Christians. And so he was writing to them that even in such a, uh, a, a bad situation as being owned by another person, even in that situation, a believer can live a certain kind of life, a godly life, so that it is pleasing to God. Um, it's interesting as well that uh, there we have an example in the New Testament where uh, Paul has a Christian friend uh, named Philemon who lived in Colossae, not far from Ephesus. And while Paul is a prisoner in Rome, he comes to meet a slave of this friend Philemon, a slave by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus becomes a believer. And apparently, uh, Onesimus 
gains his freedom from prison, if he was in prison with Paul, or in any case, Paul sends him back to Colossae, sends Onesimus back to Colossae, and probably sends with this slave the letter to Philemon, the slave's master. And in that letter to Philemon, Paul says to his friend Philemon, your slave Onesimus is a believer now. He's, he's not just a slave. He is a brother in the Lord. So that you get the impression that Paul is calling on his friend Philemon to set free this former slave, or at least to, uh, to move him to a position of a worker, not a slave. Uh, so uh, while, while slavery was a reality, uh, it's a reality even still today in, in various forms, in various ways, uh, there is still slavery. And the gospel is a gospel of redemption, it's a gospel of freedom from sin and all that sin entails, which, as Paul pointed out, would include uh, the idea of slavery. You've, you've used the word redemption two or three times uh, already, David. Um, the Bible skill calls for us to look at uh, the word redeemed in a Bible dictionary, look at passages that, that relate to it, and then paraphrase uh, this verse in Titus, um, Titus um, 2.14, 2.14, to paraphrase it um, based on what we discover in that article. Um, how would we explain, how can we explain this idea of redeemed in our culture today? All right. Well, let me just let me read that verse. It's it's such a powerful verse which talks about the the nature of redemption. Uh, Titus two fourteen says, "He, meaning Christ, gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for Himself a people for His own possession, eager to do." good works. There, there's so much richness of thought in that passage. The word uh, that Paul used there for redeem, it, it simply means to release by paying a ransom. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, what, what, is, what are we being redeemed from? Uh, well, Titus, uh, Paul says in Titus 2.14, from lawlessness, from that which is the result of our sinful nature. We, we become lawless. We are not willing to live by God's way, by God's law. We want to go our own way. But when Christ came, he gave himself for us because as slaves to sin, we couldn't redeem ourselves. We couldn't pay a ransom to set ourselves free, Christ paid that ransom. Christ paid that price for the express purpose that we would be set free from bondage to our sin and the lawlessness that comes from that. We would be cleansed 
from our sin. And as such, then, we become a people of his possession. Now, think about that. Human slavery is one human being possessed by, owned by another human being. The gospel is about us being freed from our sin, set free, redeemed, so that we might become the possession of the God who made us. Through Christ, we are redeemed from our sin and given new life. And that new life entails living a different kind of life, what Paul talks about here, eager to do good works. So the the redemption, him paying the price for our sin, serves as a motivation for us to live a godly life. We don't do it, we don't live a godly life to gain that redemption. We do it because we are redeemed. Yeah, we could we couldn't live a godly Which life. Is a sig- significant difference. Absolutely. And, and within this same passage, you see this idea of the return of Christ also serving as a motivator for living a godly life. Think about it. David, let's talk about that. How does the promised return of Christ serve as motivation to live a godly life today? Well, I, I know you're, you're talking there about Titus 2.13. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about that. It's a, a, one of the clearest uh, clear expressions of the deity of God. Of Jesus, where Paul says, We're waiting for the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, what I would say is that uh, because of that hope, that blessed hope, the appearing of his glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, as believers, we, we live forwardly. You know, Paul wrote in Philippians 3 13 and 14, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, Reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So what I would say is that uh, when we have that blessed hope out in front of us, we see that as and believe that that's coming in the future. We live forwardly. We live toward that end. And we're able then to let the past be the past and to uh, live in the present, live in our daily lives today, the kinds of lives that anticipate one day he's coming back, he is returning, and he will receive to himself and will reward those who have received him as Savior and those who have lived for him in this life. Uh, I, I remember, uh, I, I think about sometimes when uh, I have a, a sports team, a, a basketball team, and they're, they're playing a game and, and, they, um, and, and maybe the game is on late and I'm not able to see the uh, game itself, but the next day um, I... Uh, I hear about what happened, and and then a day or so later, the game gets replayed, and, and so I have time then to watch it, 
And so as I'm watching the game and maybe my team uh, gets down or maybe my team is making some mistakes and and yet in my mind, I know, hey, the the end is already – I know what the end's going to be. They're going to win. Uh, there's you keep gonna watching be a it, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. You keep watching it and you know, okay, they messed up, but that's going to be – uh, corrected, and, and there's going to be victory in the end. So when we as Christians, when we live our lives now, it, it's not going to be easy. There are going to be uh, missteps. They're going to be, we're going to falter. Uh, we're going to have challenges. It's, it won't uh, be uh, certainly any kind of bed of roses, but what we have is this blessed hope. We have this, I, the, we have this truth that the day is coming when Christ returns, and the victory is not only declared and understood, but the victory is experienced because he has already won that victory. So we're living godly lives now, knowing that the return of Christ is promised and victory will be ours in him. And it motivates us then to live godly lives today, live uh, to endure, to uh, live faithfully, because we know that whatever comes our way, it's not going to stop, hinder, uh, in any way diminish the victory that one day will be when he comes again. This particular passage, Titus 2.13, is the memory verse for this session. Once again, uh, King James says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You, th you think about the why we should honor Christ, why we should live in such a way that brings honor to him. It's pure and simple because we have a blessed hope, and that blessed hope is founded in the glorious appearing of a great God our Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for your time today. I hope you join us next week as we look at session 13 and we finish up this quarter of study from First and Second Timothy and Titus. God bless.